Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. Substituting for Pastor Clay this week, here is Steve Pierce. I'm not my usual sparkly self, so I can't shout a lot this morning. Uh, you know, when preachers shout, they usually it usually means they don't know what they're talking about. So I'm really relying on uh, the Holy Spirit <laughs> in a big way. Um, I had surgery last week, and thank you for those who prayed for me. And um, I kind of kept it on the down low, but I thank God for His healing touch on my on my life, my throat. It's affected my throat. I had a spinal. They joined two. Sp- bones together, but they went in through the front, so my voice isn't what it is, okay? So uh, you have to just deal with that. So do I. Uh, I want to do an unscripted moment. Now, this is very dangerous because you never know what's going to happen. All right. Uh, So in order to do that, I'm going to... uh, ask you to turn in your Bibles. That's this black book that was written by Jesus um, uh, to chapter 5 of Ephesians. Okay, so uh, check it out. If you want to know where Ephesians is, those letters are General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Chapter 5. Okay, so um, let me just tell you while we're here, this was just awesome worship this morning and I really felt and sensed God's presence here and I wanted to just make a segue by just sharing with you you know that passage in Hebrews that was read earlier by Ivy uh, Jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross what's there to be joyful about dying to have a crown of thorns smashed on your head to be spat on to be cruelly cruelly beaten and mocked, never mind the physical torture, the emotional torture, the separation from God. What's to be joyful about that? But the Bible says, the writer to the Hebrews says, who, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I've thought a lot about that. So what was the joy? Bill, you were the joy. You were the joy. Dave, you were the joy that was set before Jesus. And he said, Barry, I'll go to hell for you so you can come to heaven with me. Jesus saw you with your faith and you're here today in church. Never mind what's going on. Never mind the circumstances. And he said, I will endure that for you. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, thing and I wanted to segue that into this unscripted moment that I'm very nervous about. Come here, dude. It's my grandson, Super Dude Jude. Oops. Uh, all right. Now we're gonna. We haven't practiced this, have we? No. Okay. Are you comfortable? Oops. I'm sorry, boy. One, two, one, two, one, two. Give me some volume here. I don't know what that is. That's a white microphone and lights are going. One, two. Okay. Hang on. I'm nearly there. Okay. I'm there again. Right. Let's use this. We don't need that. Unscripted moments are just a disaster for the tech gang. 
Tell me, why is Grandpa so cool? Because he took your teeth out. Because he takes his teeth out. Thank you. I love being a grandpa. Grandpas know a lot of things and get away with a lot of things. But the best thing about being a grandpa is that I have this supernatural ability to take out my teeth. And Jude thinks it's a miracle. It causes shrieks of laughter and oohs and ahs and you by Rebecca. But the one thing I hear from Jude more than anything else, Grandpa, do it again. Do it again. And the truth is, in my life, I've heard that phrase many times. Do it again. Our text this morning is Ephesians 5.18. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I've had a lot of time, and this is one of the cool things of not having to preach every Sunday, to just be praying and, and reflecting on this passage and thinking about my life as it goes into 2015. And something I'd like to share with you about my journey, and perhaps you could make this your journey as well. Or are you going to just allow 2015 to happen? Or are you going to say, Lord, this is a year in which I want to plan. I don't want to be the same kind of person that I was at the beginning of the year. I want to change. I want to grow. I want to become more like you. And so I've called this message this morning, Be Thrilled with the Spirit. Be Thrilled with the Spirit. I was chatting to Ivy before the service, and I want, I want to just say again publicly that I don't know what it is, but Christians like us have this fear. Wait, is a better word. We are intimidated by the Spirit. We are intimidated. But I remember back satisfying times of worship and I pled with God, God, do it again. I led someone to faith in Christ. And, and, and the two of us weeping together and crying. And I said, do it again. I, I was in a, a, a prayer meeting on a Saturday night. And I led 30 Hindu people to Christ in one evening. And I said, God, do it again. Do it again. But even on a human level... On a personal note, to be free from worry, to wonder what's going on in your life, do it again. I don't know about you, but there always seems to be some point in our lives, in my life, that I look back upon and wish I could be there again. When there was peace and joy and all that kind of stuff. But here's the danger. In seeking to reinvent that time again. We have switched around priorities. And so what we do as Christians, um, if I can apply it in this way, what we do is we seek after the joy of the Lord. Oh, if only I could be happy. The joy of the Lord. But what we should be seeking for is the Lord of the joy. 
Help me, Jesus. Can I get a witness to that? We should be seeking the Lord of the joy. The Lord of the joy. The joy of the Lord is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit, the Lord of the joy, is the source. He is the source of everything. My prayers have been do that again. And I have remembered too much about what God, the Holy Spirit, has done rather than I'm thinking about what is God doing. And that's where I want to begin this morning. What is God doing in your life today? The fact that you're sitting in church is a testimony to His grace, His love for you, His calling upon your life, His faithfulness, His loyalty to you, a disloyal servant. It's all about Him. Hmm. That's why I invite you to share a part of my journey as I'm preparing my heart for 2015. This year I ask the Lord to let me be thrilled with the Spirit. And in order to let that happen, I need to switch my thinking from the thrill I remember those thrilling times and some of them I've had here in this church when I've seen God move and people praying in the front and and just the love that the church has shown to me and my wife and my family. I remember those. And I'm not saying, Lord, do it again. I'm saying more of you. More of you. Like that old hymn. Do you remember it? More more about Jesus, more, more about Jesus, more of his saving fullness see, more of his love who died for me, more about Jesus. Oh yes, it's great when that cool stuff does happen, make no mistake. But this year, I want to try and focus my life and switch it from the thrill to the one who thrills. Being thrilled with the Spirit is living under the direction, control, and empowering of God. Stop. Stop relying on yourself. Stop relying on your income. Stop relying on the things that money and the world can buy, which God sees are not important. And start turning to Jesus. Listen, being thrilled with the Spirit is not a sinless life. It's not a sinless life. It's not reaching some point that you you've know more, have more, got it better. It's not a sinless life. It's understanding that sin has been dealt with, paid for, done, finished. A life that is fully equipped for whatever this coming year may bring. Let me say again, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. This is God's will. It's an imperative. It's a command by God. Don't get drunk on wine to be totally controlled and under the influence law of don't get drunk on, on wine. That leads to debauchery. Now, debauchery is not a modern word. 
I, when I was a young Christian, I didn't know what debauchery was. I actually did, but didn't associate it. Debauchery is the place where you buy the meat. Okay. Don't get drunk on wine and be controlled by, by wine. But in the same way as that is, be controlled and transformed and controlled con- uh, totally under the control of the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And when that happens, you'll speak to one another with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. You'll sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's what happens when you're filled with the Spirit. When Paul wrote that word, the key word to being filled with the Spirit is, of course, the word filled. Let me give you a little Greek lesson here. That's what the, the, the language was, that this was originally written. It was written to this church in Ephesus. Okay, In those days, the letters that came from Paul didn't just go to Ephesus. They probably went to Thessalonica and Cappadocia and all the little towns. They were called encyclical. They went around in a cycle. It was written first to the Ephesians. And Paul says, be filled. The Greek word is the word pleroma. Let me tell you some cool stuff about pleroma. Pleroma was a word that came out of the, the harbor, the docks, the shipping world of Paul's time. And he was familiar with that because Paul's job, he fixed tents and sails and he put together broken things. And he would be always down at the docks looking for a sail to repair. And he would hear the word pleroma a lot. Because the word pleroma meant this. When a ship was ready to set sail on a, on a voyage somewhere, carrying a full cargo, a full complement of crew, the ship's sails were repaired. They had food. They had water. They had all the stuff necessary to make the voyage. The chandler, that's what the man was called, the man who supplied the ship with everything. The chandler would issue the captain a certificate which would say, play Roma. It means, captain, your ship is ready to set sail. Paul takes that. And he says, Christian, if you ain't got the Holy Spirit, you are not equipped for the voyage of life. If you do not have Jesus, you're going off half cocked and you're going off half full. You're going off half stocked. You're not equipped for life. You don't have the equipment to make this journey through life. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be equipped. It's the difference, or it would mean like a soldier going into battle. He's got on all his webbing and his armor and all the stuff that he needs. He's got a gun, but he doesn't have any ammo. He doesn't have any water. He doesn't have any food. He is ill-equipped. He is not ready for the fight. He is not ready for the journey. And I venture to say this morning that there are many Christians, perhaps even people here today, who are saying, Steve, you've just described me. Oh, I love the Lord. 
I mean, I really do. I, 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 I want to follow him and I want to, I want to be the best kind of person that I can be and all that kind of stuff. But all this junk happens to me and it knocks me for a loop. Bad things happen and my faith goes south. Jesus is saying it needn't and it shouldn't be like that. Because being filled with and being thrilled with the Spirit is the equipment that you need to make it in life. Hmm. This is what Paul says ought to be the norm for the Christian life. To have all the equipment we need to make the journey to our destination. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't do it. The certainty of failure without God, the Holy Spirit in your life, is 100%. I want to remind you of simple, basic truth. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is Jesus living in you. <laughs> I mean, give the Holy Spirit an amen, man. He is Jesus living in you. He is not the power of God or the influence of God. He is a person. He has emotion. And he wants Christ to be glorified. The certainty of failure without the Holy Spirit is 100%. Only by His indwelling presence in your life. Only by His gifts and by His fruit and His thrilling presence can we be the people of God who will change this world. You see, God wants us to be like Jesus. And I keep saying, how? How? Well, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to let it happen for you, Bongo. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit who will make that happen. I've heard many people say that they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Please stop waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. He came at Pentecost and he has never, ever left the church. He's here now and he wants to bless this church and he wants to bless your life. He wants... You to know more about God. And he is saying, I'm the way that you can know more and experience more. Listen, Linda and I, we're children of the 70s. Woo! And 80s. We watched as a bored church settled for entertainment. We heard that the spirit was moving elsewhere, but we were never allowed to go there. We sank into the fascinated, blissful entertainment. Next week, we'll have a Jewish ventriloquist. Four dancing dollies and an ex-satanic high priest leading the worship. And that's what it was. It was entertainment, entertainment, entertainment. No subject interested me more and intimidated me and terrified me to almost the point of rejection than to know about the Holy Spirit. But this I understand for now, as it was for then. We need to be brought into the presence of God. We need to be brought into the presence of God, brothers and sisters. We need to know that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. We need to know that Jesus is real. We need to know that the Holy Spirit is a person. And he longs to bless us. He has come. He has come. Listen to what people said about the early believers in Acts chapter 4. When they saw the courage of Peter and John. 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Where do you get away with that? Hey, listen. Let me tell you. If I had to put my credentials out in front of you, you'd be amazed at what a cool guy I am. I mean, when I worked as a printer, I won prizes for the breast apprentice in the shop. I won prizes for academics. At seminary, I graduated summa cum laude. My uh, master's, I graduated summa cum laude. I have a PhD in theology. I married a fox. I'm telling you, I have got the... And you know what all that means? Nothing. If I haven't got Jesus... It means nothing if I do not have the presence and the power of God in my life. These unschooled fishermen, unschooled fishermen, all it said about them was the people were amazed and they took note. They took note that they had been with Jesus. They didn't care about degrees and stuff like that. And with all respect, we've got people studying here and people who have degrees. And that's wonderful to achieve those academic honors. But they mean squat. If you haven't got the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Telling you, man. I'm telling you. They saw that they had been with Jesus. The crowd was astonished and thrilled and changed. But the problem is the... the, The issues we have conjured up with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit are crazy. And it's mostly summed up by extremes. And so our denomination, our Baptist denomination, you know, we had a saying when I was a a young uh, preacher, blessed are the balanced. You can't be a balanced Christian. You get it? You can't be. You can't have too little or too much of God. You've got to have all that he offers for all that we need. You can't just be a balanced mugwump. Do you know what a mugwump is? Do you know know what a mugwump is? No. Okay, a mugwump is a fence-sitter. Somebody with his mug on one side and his wump on the other. You can't be a balanced Christian. You've got to be all for Jesus or nothing. Nothing or all. Come on, man. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He doesn't want to lead you into a balanced Christian life. There are too many balanced people out there. God, the Holy Spirit... His purpose is to help you make it all. God is not the backdrop against... Oh, I beg your pardon. We try and live a healthy life. We eat like a pig at the Golden Corral, and we order a Diet Coke. See you there after church. That's life. God is bigger than life. God is for eternity. He doesn't want balance. He wants sold out for me. Then the fire will fall and the tongues of flames will be on people's heads and the church will be thrust out into the world again. So, yeah, I had this illustration. 
and I tried it on Linda, and I had to sleep with the dog that night. Now listen, to sleep with Lulu is cool. That's like camping. It's fun. She doesn't get there yet. Don't tell her though. But it didn't work. Let me try it out on you. This is my second and final option here. So a man lives on a desert island for 20 years, and all he has is a Bible. Now, of course, Linda went down, where does he eat? How does he feed? I said, forget all that stuff. Take that. Forget it. He just lives on an island for, for 20 years, and he's just got a Bible. When he is rescued, what will he ask? Now, it went south at this point. Let me tell you what he won't ask. Should we baptize fully or just a little bit of water on the head? He won't ask, who is Matt Redman? He won't ask, what's the title of Francis Chan's latest book? He won't ask, what are the words for great is thy faithfulness? He will ask, tell me more about the Holy Spirit. Tell me more about the Holy Spirit. And so what is being filled with the Spirit? You know, Pastor Clay, I also get it. I get it. Because I use the Scriptures to interpret the Scriptures. That's what you should be doing. Amen? Okay, so I want you to check this out, and I'm going to ask somebody to read this aloud for me. Okay, because I don't have it here in my notes. Colossians... No, is it Galatians 3.16? Yeah, let me check. It'll be one of those. Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ. Who's got that for me? Somebody got it? Just put up your hand. I want you to read it. Let the word of Christ. Who got that? Put your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Unica. Just read it loud, please. Whoa, 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 whoa. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and... Wait, that sounds exactly like the same as Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And it says, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Colossians 3.16 says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making... Uh, to God with gratitude, making melody in your hearts. It's the same thing. Same thing. It's synonymous to the Ephesians, he wrote, be filled with the Spirit. To the Colossians, he wrote, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with the Spirit means, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Listen, some people will say, that when you fill to the Spirit, you get to speak Russian. It's okay. I mean, I'm not going to go and fight about that. If you fill to the Spirit, you can interpret Russian. And that's okay too. I'm not going to fight about that. Well, the gifts were only for the apostolic era to draw attention to the, to the cross. I'm not going to fight about that either. What I am going to say is that being filled with the Spirit is for now. It's for today. And it means this. Filling yourself as full as you can with the Word of God. Reading it, learning it, applying it into practice, memorizing it, and everything else. Don't ever, 
ever, ever say to me, Steve, I feel God is calling me to this without having this in your hand. This in your hand. This is His Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with it. Be overflowing with it. And so, I've been thinking about this man who was on the desert island. He would say, tell me more about the Holy Spirit. Well, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, you've got to read that book that you've had. And so, Paul writes, same message to two different churches because these were encyclical letters. They would go around. He wanted to say, hey, listen, huh, being filled with the Spirit, Spirit is a pretty big deal. Can I get a witness? It's not just for Pentecostal folk. Can I get a witness? It's for not way back then. You know, when I first got saved and I was excited about Jesus, it's for today. Can I get a witness? It's for tomorrow. It's for 2015. Let's seek not the joy of the Lord, but the Lord of the joy. Uh Hey, I'm getting near the end, so y'all relax now. Uh, Oh, yeah. So, what is being filled with the Spirit? I'd really like to free you from the bondage of whatever cuckoo idea you've had in your mind, if you've had any about being filled with the Spirit. Or like me, you were so scared of asking, you know, if I needed anything, I would go to my pastor. I would never go to Reverend Paul Jones and say to him, Pastor, could you help me be filled with the Spirit? He would scare the living daylights out of me. I mean, he was so narrow-minded, he could look through a keel with both eyes. I mean, really... What is being filled with the Spirit? This is what it is, folks. Being filled with the Spirit is giving as much of yourself as you can to as much of Jesus as you know. Oh, please write that down. Please remember that. That's what is being filled with the Spirit. Steve Pierce says, based on my understanding from his word, that it's giving as much of myself as I can to as much of Jesus as I know. And you know what? That frees me. It frees me for my little grandson, Caleb. Because that little boy who loves Jesus so much, he's as filled with the Spirit as any, any other guy who's a theologian and a great pastor. He knows just yay much about Jesus, but man, he loves what he knows. He loves what he knows. Can kids be filled with the Spirit? You bet. If you don't believe that, you read the Welsh revivals of 1908 when children, children led the revival. When the Spirit moved, He moved among the kids, giving as much of myself as I can to as much of Jesus as I know. Listen, when I'm I'm watching a football game and I'm excited about Peyton Manning, my hero, or uh, watching what the Broncos are going to do to slaughter the innocent this uh, playoff season. I don't really think a lot about God then because I'm watching football. But you know what? That doesn't alter the fact one bit because I've given as much of myself as I can to as much of Jesus as I know. 
And it it's really puts an onus on those of us who've been walking with Jesus a long time to get to know Him deeper. How do you do that? Through the Holy Spirit. Okay. Paul said, hey, listen, I'm a rotten preacher. That's what he said. He said, but I come with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God sent out thousands of Christians from their homes into foreign lands to be killed, to be starved, to be persecuted. But they conquered a nation. Beware. Because if you ask God to be thrilled with the Spirit, the first place that He will lead you, and you listen to me now, please. If you ask God to be thrilled and filled with the Spirit, the first place He will lead you is the cross. He will lead you to the cross, not to see a dying Jesus, but He will lead you to the cross to see a waiting Jesus. A waiting Jesus who is there just to say, are you ready now? Are you ready to lay it all down? To be the man or woman that I have intended from eternity past for you to be. Are you ready now to do it? Now to do it. If you don't know him, you come to the cross and you meet him there. You come there on his terms to be born again and to be saved and to have your sins forgiven. And be assured of this, there will be many times in your life that you'll come back to the cross. And so there are many dangers. Francis Chan, in his book, which I used as part of my preparation, um, Ivy, what was it called? The Forgotten God. Francis Chan says there are two dangers. Number one is comfort. We're too dang comfortable, man. We're sitting there, we have everything provided for us, we are entertained, maintained, and also we are constrained. We need to let go and let God have His way. Get out of our comfort zones and do something. Um, at least ask God to do something that we will know this can only be from God because I couldn't do it. Secondly, he says... Not just comfort, but volume. Your life's too loud. It's too loud, man. There are too many voices that are competing for your attention. You've got to shut some of them out. It's too loud, man. We're living in a culture where Christians are not disciples. And followers are not following. Pastors can't change this. Only the Holy Spirit can. Thousands of years ago, a lone voice stood on Mount Carmel. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, Elijah said this, If the Lord is God, then follow Him. When the speech was finished, they never said what a great sermon that was. They never said, Man, that Elijah, man, he must have studied at Southeastern. They never said, Man, he's got a nice accent. Do you know what they said? The Lord he is God. The Lord, He is God. Say it with me. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. So, ah, check this out. I'm getting to the end. There was a young couple. 
and uh, they were getting married. You know, I used to love doing marriage counseling. <laughs> it's the funnest, funnest thing because the girl is, she's just so excited. But the guy, you've got to watch the guys. They come into your office and their socks hang limp in their shoes. I mean, they are just smitten. They're getting married. They decide that they're going to put everything into this once-off honeymoon experience and they're going to go on a 10-day cruise. She sells her furniture. He sells his hi-fi. You know, they pool all their money together and they get the price of two tickets and they're off on this 10-day cruise. Man! (laughs) Well, they tell me that you can live on love for a short time. I don't know. I've been married 40 years this February. So, yeah, no, I guess that's true. We still live on love. Anyway, they don't even bother going for breakfast and dinner or anything like that. And the reason was they didn't have the money for the meals. They put everything into the ticket. About day three, he's starting to uh, flag a bit here. <laughs> She's now hungry. So late at night, they sneak down into the galley and uh, they find some, he finds in a cupboard that's like kind of broken, some of those vanilla cookies. You know, those kind of tasteless little cookies and some unsweetened tea. So he goes back to the room. Ah, me provider. Me bring unsweet tea and cookies. So they have unsweetened tea and cookies for the evening meal. Well, the next day, same thing again. Hang on, this is a 10-day cruise. We're about day four now. Day five, day six, day seven. I mean, they're having tasteless vanilla cookies and unsweetened tea for like eight days. Come the last day, the guy sneaks down to the galley, goes inside, and suddenly a light goes on. And there stands the captain. He says, you know, we've been aware that somebody's been coming down to the galley late at night and uh, has been taking some of the cookies. It's not a a big issue and drinking some of this unsweetened tea. But what's the deal with that? And this young guy who's in love, so embarrassed, he says to the captain, um, he says, sir, we sold everything to come on this 10-day cruise. And for nine days we've been living on vanilla cookies and unsweetened tea because we couldn't afford the meals. And the captain said to him this, Sir, the price of the ticket included the meals. The price of Jesus' death includes everything, man. It includes all you're ever going to need to get to heaven. It includes everything. It includes the joy of the Lord. But it includes the Lord of the joy. It includes peace and power. and, And it includes joy and happiness and all the cool stuff. It's not for some other believers. You get this ticket that Jesus bought with his precious blood and the price was paid for everything. Jesus didn't die so you can have a miserable existence that God's waiting for you to have some fun so that he can slap you on the wrist. God, when he sent his son to die on the cross, it was for your salvation and it was for your sanctification so that you can become more and more like Jesus. 
I wonder if you're a tea and vanilla cookie Christian. Tea and vanilla cookie Christian. Wow. Well, I'm going to ask Ivy to come up. Uh, and I'm going to ask if we would stand for a moment, please. Ivy's going to lead us in a, in a closing song. But, you know, I want to make this an invitation time and, and have a specific purpose for this. If you would stand with me and just bow your head and uh, close your eyes, I have no idea of where you are in your Christian life. But if you're in a place where you know it's a lonely place, it's a dark place, it's a place I don't want to be any longer. I want to be thrilled with the Spirit. And you know, Steve, I can't help but think when it happened. I can't help but think of that camp, that meeting, that song I sang, that day that I came forward. I can't help but think of that. And it's not wrong to say, do it again, Lord. But it's more correct to say, Lord, I'm in your hands. And so this is a message for 2015. 2015, would you join me on a journey to be thrilled with the Spirit? Would you join me on a journey that says, it's all or nothing? I've been there. Hey, I've been a tea and vanilla cookie Christian, and I hated it. I want everything that God has to offer for me. Thanks, Steve, for bringing this week's message. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their lives feel disconnected with the type of life and faith that they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy of I Get It today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're looking for. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. I
Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.